Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty warrior. Great in battle. Hallelujah. There's nothing like watching the Lord fight your battle. Hallelujah. When you've done all you can, hallelujah. But then he steps in and says, step aside, my son. Let me, let me handle, let me handle this. You took care of the light work, and I'm going to take care of the heavy work. What you thought wasn't going to happen, what you thought you couldn't do, that's all right. You wasn't meant for you to do. I'm getting ready to do this thing. And when God defeats the enemy, you know the enemy is defeated. He ain't coming back. He ain't coming another way. He's defeated. Because when God steps in, hallelujah, I say when God steps in, when God does what only God can do, he's a mighty warrior. It's awesome to watch. It's awesome to watch it. The enemy's neck just get crushed. It's awesome to watch. Him back up when, the, when God's hand comes out and says no further. It's awesome to watch. Hallelujah. He's a mighty warrior. Great in battle. Jehovah is his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just go ahead and grab your Bibles. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're not going to shout today. We're going to just go forth in the Word. But it's just a good thing to know that God is on our side. Hallelujah. God is on our side. Thank you, Jesus. He is on our side. Hallelujah. Mighty warrior, great in battle. The book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, we're going to read a few verses beginning at verse number 10. And then we will go over to the New Testament. Look at John chapter 4, just a few verses. I believe we'll start with verse number 31. Joshua chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 10. We find these words. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Let's go to the book of John. Chapter number four, beginning at believe, we'll start at verse number 31. 
It says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Amen to the reading of his word. Strength for the journey. Strength for the journey. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you, God, for your presence today. God, we thank you for your love and faithfulness, oh God. We thank you for just centering on you today. God, lifting your name high, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, you are present. God, you are real, God. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to move right now. Teach us, instruct us, preach to us as only you can out of the living word of God. And we thank you for that, oh God. So be with us, your people, God, as we desire to honor you, desire to be in your presence. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Say strength for the journey. Before we get into the message, I just want to remind us that we will start our book reading next week. We're going through a book called Big Truths for Young Hearts. We determined this year that we're going to know God better this year than we knew him last year. And we're going to build our faith. And so we'll be reading a book together. Every week I'm going to reference uh, what we're reading. It's not a lot of reading. It's like three to four pages a week that we'll read together. But I think it will strengthen us and encourage us to know this great God better. Amen. You can purchase that book in the bookstore. You can get it online at Amazon, uh, ChristianBooks.com. You can find it there. But we'll begin reading uh, the third, which is after next Sunday. Amen. Amen. Strength for the journey. You know, we've been talking about our assignment this year, Church on Assignment, which is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom to a new generation. And we realize that there's a, a generation of people who need to hear this gospel. Got to bring me down a little bit. Uh, to hear this gospel. And in order for us to accomplish that, we're going to have to walk with God. We're going to have to love and serve people. And we're going to have to spread the gospel. And so we've been talking over the last week for the first part of this walking with God, walking with God. Now, some people like surprises. Anybody here like surprises? Some people do not. Anybody here not like surprises? <laughs> so we got a mixed bag. Some people don't like to be surprised by anything. And I just thinking back, my wife and I have been married 21 years and we got married. We went on our, our honeymoon and I didn't tell her where we were going. You know, it was going to be a surprise, and she was okay with that. But I just remember her asking me, you know, you don't have to tell me, but is it warm? You know, you don't have to tell me, but is it cold? You know, <laughs> you don't have to tell me, are we going to be doing this, you know? And, 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 and the brothers know what I'm talking about. Even when you're going on vacation, right, you pack your bag, right? She packs her three bags. <laughs> right? You're going on to the beach, you know, you get your one thing, and she unpack everything. And you know, why are you bringing that? Well, just in case. You, you, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you hear what I'm saying? Just in case there's some scenario, random scenario that come up, you know, just in case. 
I always have to remind my wife, you know, we're not going to a third world country right now. We're going to Myrtle Beach. There's a Walmart, you know, it, we'll be all right. <laughs> but what you bring does matter. Uh, because you need to, to be prepared for the situations that you may encounter. And it's important that we understand that when the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land that God had for them, they were going to go in very quickly, but it was going to take them seven years in order to be able to kill everything in there in order for them to fully possess the land. Somebody say seven years. And that may not seem like a long time, but that's a long time of fight a seven-year battle, or seven years of constant war to be able to get what God has for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and sometimes, you know, seven days can seem like a long time for some of us if you're ever going through. Sometimes seven months can seem like a long time for us if you're ever going through. Just imagine seven years of constant battle that you had to go through in order to get uh, what you needed. And so when you're on that journey, you need to make sure you're bringing the right things. And so for us not to get tired and not to faint and not to fall short of what God promised, we need to make sure that we have strength for the journey. Somebody say strength for the journey. We already mentioned that walking with God is, is, is personal. Uh, you can't walk with God through me. I'm a part of that, but you got to want to walk through God for your own self. Right? We talked about, so we got to stay close to God. We got to stay close. We got to have his yoke upon us and learn of him. We got to stay close. Uh, we talked about hearing God precedes walking with him. And so we need to hear his voice so that we know where to go and how to walk. We talked about walking with God requires courageous conversations. You're going to have to have some courageous conversations with God. You're going to have to have courageous conversations with yourself. And you're going to have to have some courageous conversations with other people if you truly want to walk with God. Last week we talked about we got to pick up the pace. And now you got to walk at God's pace, not our own. And sometimes God walks slow, we got to walk slow. But sometimes God walks faster and we got to pick up the pace. And I believe that in this season that we're going to accomplish what God wants for us to accomplish, we're going to have to pick up the pace. It was okay for us to move slow before, but now God is requiring us to pick up the pace. And so here we are in the book of, of, of Joshua, the first chapter. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And, and, and Joshua goes to the people and he tells them in verse 10 and 11, he says, prepare yourself uh, provisions because in three days we're getting ready to go over into the promised land. So we got to understand that being on the move is different than being still. Okay? Being on the move is different than being still. They were still kind of going in circles, but there was no longer going to be going in circles. They were going to be on the move. It's like being on a sports team. When you play in your own home arena, it's cool because everybody's cheering for you, right? Everybody loves you, except the Redskins. I'm sorry, but, you know, but everybody else, you know, when your home stadium is a home field advantage, you know, everybody is going for you. Everybody loves you. But when you're on the road, it's, everybody's throwing stuff at you, and they're calling you all kinds of names, and you have some issues. The terrain's not always going to be smooth. When you're, when you're on the move. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not always going to be familiar. I think everybody know what I'm talking about. When you're, when you're on the move, you might get into some unfamiliar territory, stuff you haven't encountered before, situations you never faced before because you are on the move, right? College is different from high school, right? When you get there, you realize there's some situations that are a little bit different. The teachers aren't quite as nice. They don't smile as much. If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. You fail, too bad. Been there, done that. Pray for a brother. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> it's different when you're on the move. And the church, we have to remind ourselves that Satan is not going to let us complete the assignment without putting up opposition. 
we got to remember that Satan is just not going to stand by and say, okay, well, God's given you a purpose and God's given you an assignment. So you just go ahead and do whatever God has called you to do. That's not his, in his DNA. He's fallen and his thing is to destroy the, destroy the work of God, destroy the people of God, destroy the purpose of God. He's going to try everything in his power to stop you from completing what God wants for you in your life. Even though God has already promised it for you, even though God has already made provision for you, guess what? He's still going to try to trip you up and stop you from achieving what God has for you. You're going to ask Nehemiah, when the, in the book of Nehemiah, when the children of God had the assignment to build the wall because they wanted to build the temple and they wanted to honor God with that temple, but Nehemiah was encouraging the people to build the wall. But guess what? The enemy said, ah, oh, you ain't going to build a wall so easily. They're going to try to distract you. They're going to try to throw rocks at you. They're going to try to call you names. They're going to try to do whatever they can to stop you from doing what God has called for you to do. There's going to be opposition. Say opposition. You can even ask Job and go with the book of Job, but many of us don't like looking at the book of Job because it tells a, a crazy story of a man who was honoring God, who was walking with God, who was doing everything right. If you're doing everything right, raise your hand. God bless you. <laughs> he was doing everything right, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And then the Bible says one day the sons of, of, of man or sons of God, which could be fallen angels, when many think that were, they were coming before the Lord. And the Bible says Satan was there with them. And he said, Satan, where you been? He said, I've been walking to and fro on the earth. How many know that, that Satan was walking to and fro on the earth? And so you can walk with God or you can walk with Satan because Satan's still walking to and fro on the earth, looking for people who he's trying to mess up. And the Bible says that God says, well, have you considered my servant Job? God, what are you doing? I'm doing everything that you, you asked me to do. And then you tell Satan, well, check out my boy. <laughs> check him out. <laughs> Give him a run for his money. See what happens. And Satan says, well, God, you know he's going to honor you because you have him protected. You see what I'm saying? You have him covered. You, you're, you're covering him. But take the protection off him and see if he don't curse you to your face. So the Bible says that Satan tried to go after Job, but God had told him from the beginning, you can take everything from him, but you just cannot take his person. In other words, you can't, you can't get to him as an individual, but you can have everything else. And, and God will allow the enemy sometimes space to come in and do some things in our life. You know, we got to realize that God will allow it. Sometimes the enemy's there because God allowed him to be there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He allowed him to come at you to see what you were made of. See, he, didn't, he wasn't trying to kill you. He was just trying to show that your person was bigger and stronger than what you really think. Sometimes testing our life, we got to realize they're there to show us that there's something on the inside of us that's bigger and stronger than we really think, and that God wants to do something in our lives. But in order for us to know what's there, it's got to be tested. It's got to be demonstrated. It's got to be shown. Are you with me? So, you know, we know the Bible tells us, John 15, 18, it says, if the world hates you, you have to know that it hated me first. Jesus said, the world hates you because it hated me first. And so if they hated Jesus, guess what? They're going to hate us too. He said in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. It says, in this world, you will, not you might, but it says you will have tribulation. So we can't be deceived that just because we're walking with Jesus that there's not going to be any tribulation. The tribulation is going to come. You will. It's a matter of fact. You will have tribulation. But we can be of good cheer. Why? Because he's already overcome the world. We sing the song Amazing Grace, and one of the verses says, through many dangers, what? Toils and snares. I have already come. 
It's grace that brought me thus far, and grace will lead me home. It's, you're going to go through some obstacles. You're going to go through some challenges. You're going to go through some stuff on the way to what God has for you. Major point number one for us, walking with God requires preparation. Somebody say preparation. Walking with God requires preparation. As you know, I'm a Redskin fan. It is what it is. But I was watching our, our, our beloved team in this area, not Dallas. Dallas is far away. Washington is local, okay? And they put my man Dwayne Haskins in, right? When Dwayne Haskins first went in, he looked crazy. He looked like he was completely unprepared for what he was in there for. Throwing interceptions left and right, didn't know the playbook. He looked unprepared, either on the field, they weren't preparing him. His mental reps, they weren't preparing him. And in order for him to improve, he had to improve his preparation. Schoolwork's the same thing, you know what I'm talking about? You have to actually prepare for school. Come on, students, talk to me here. See, you can't look at math on your computer. <laughs> math really can't be studied, it has to be practiced. You see what I'm saying? You gotta practice the problems. You see what I'm saying? The types of problems and change the angle of the problem and try a little bit differently because it's a problem. So when, when you go into the test, you say, no, I've seen this before, right? You see what I'm saying? Because I've already done problems just like this at home, right? You just can't look at the screen and think you're going to do well on the math test. That's not, pra that, that's not studying. That's not practicing. That's not adequate preparation. Are you hearing me? We got to be prepared to die. Come on here, folks. I'm talking to some of us. Sometimes we pass away and papers are nowhere to be found. Family don't know what to do. Provision's not made. Come on in here, somebody. We ain't prepared for it. As we knew one day you're going to die. I mean, nobody likes to talk about it. Come on in here, somebody. Nobody likes to have those conversations. When we talked about walking with God, has courageous conversations. Guess what? Dad, you, you know, where's your stuff? You know, where would you like to be buried? Come on here. What do you want on your service? Who's going to pay for this? Come on in here, somebody. You just can't come to church thinking the church going to pay for it. We can't pay for everybody's burial. I'm sorry, we cannot. I would love to, but we can't. There has to be preparation made because we're all going to go this way one way at some point in time. Unless he comes back, we're all going this way. What's the preparation? I want to encourage that We have to be prepared. You got to prepare to get married. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on in here. <laughs> You got to get a little counseling. You got to have some, some, some meaningful conversation before you, you get married. You know, again, it's like, oh, you don't have to. Well, you don't have to, but you might want to think about it, you know, before that you do. <laughs> See, because going out and having lobster dinners and all that stuff, that's wonderful. You know, sky, sky, skydiving and all that stuff is good. You need to do that because you build relationship. I understand all that. But you have to talk about some real things before you get married. You know what I'm saying? You got to talk about respect and what respect really looks like. Right? You got to talk about love and what, what love really looks like. Right? Somebody been talking about communication. Can we talk? You know, and how we can talk? When we talk? You know, do I got to call you out your name? You know, what, what does this look like? You, you better have some of this conversation before you get married. Somebody better talk about money. Come on, how, how are we going to live? <laughs> And what, what type of lifestyle are you looking at? You know what I'm saying? We got to have new cars every three years. Well, I don't make that kind of money. You putting pressure on me to have new car every... Come on in here, somebody. What type of house you trying to buy? Where you trying to go? Somebody better have some conversation and some preparation. 
before you dive into this thing. It's called preparation. Because marriage is physical work. It's hard work, come in somebody. It's some physical work. You got to cook. You got to clean. You got to dust. You got to help people do this. And that is emotional work. Come on, somebody. And you can't put your marriage on autopilot. It's not just going to coast by itself. You will crash. Preparation. Preparation can help determine what's worth doing and how to do it more efficiently. When you prepare, when you start preparing for something, you may realize this ain't even worth doing anymore. Yes. And when you prepare, you realize, hey, there's a better, more efficient way to do what I'm getting ready to do. See, preparation helps us. We need to be prepared. Joshua tells us, you want to go. He said, you got to prepare yourself. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, we're not going to look at it, but it's a story of the ten virgins. Some of you may have heard that story. Talking about the bridegroom, he had went away, and he was coming back to get his bride. And so there were ten virgins, and so they were going to meet the bridegroom. Ten of them, well, ten of them, five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. So they all had a lampstand, all ten of them, but only five of them brought oil with their lampstand. They were the wise ones. The foolish ones didn't bring no oil. And the Bible says that the, the, the bridegroom was delayed. He didn't come right away. And so they all fell asleep. But then they heard the sound of the trumpet. Boop, the bridegroom cometh. So they jumped up and get ready. They had to light their, their, their lamps. But the foolish ones didn't, didn't have any oil. And so the foolish one says to the wise ones, yo, give me some oil. And they said, well, nah, nah, nah. I can't give you no oil because what happens if there's not enough oil for both of us? So why don't you just go ahead to the store, go to Walmart, right, and go buy some oil and come back. And they said, that's a good idea. So they went to Walmart. But when they were at Walmart, the bridegroom came, right, while they were at Walmart and they missed them. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And so they tried to get into the wedding feast and guess what? They couldn't get in and the, the, bridegroom, the bridegroom said, I don't know you. See, they were not prepared. See, see, some came prepared and some did not. See, so we see the value of preparation. That's what he's talking about. Meeting, going to heaven is something for prepared people. That's what Pastor David used to always say. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. See, I'm saying you have to prepare yourself to be able to spend eternity with Jesus. It's not just something that's just going to happen. Come on now here. I know in earth when we go to funerals, everybody going to heaven. Come on now. I've never been to a funeral where they say, do going to hell. I never. I, I never <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear that. Everybody going there. Well, but, but the Bible says everybody not going. The Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So there's some level of preparation. That's what he's talking about. Some people got their oil. Some people only got a lamp. And so, but you need the oil and the lamp. If you don't got both, you're not going to be ready. Somebody shout preparation. Walking with God is more like a marathon than a sprint. I remember I had a teacher in the eighth grade. She, she ran marathons. You know, me, I was silly. I always say whatever. I said, you know, how do you do that? Because I always think it's crazy. You're running for no reason. <laughs> Why are you going to do that? <laughs> You're running 26.2 miles for no reason. And I said, well, how do you do that? You know, how do you make it? She said, I just keep them legs moving. That's what she said. She just said, keep them legs moving. I don't know about you, but in life, sometimes it gets hard to keep them legs moving. You know what I'm saying? Just keep them legs moving. 
But that's why we got to understand that walking with God and moving into what God calls us is like a marathon, not a sprint. And so we got to be able to keep those legs moving. Jude chapter 1 and 20 says, but ye beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you got to build yourself up in the holy faith. If you're going to walk with God and get to where you're going, you got to build yourself up. Galatians 6 and 8 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, but in due season we'll reap if we faint not. So that we got to not faint, but we got to continue to go on to what God has called us to go on to. So Pastor Tony, how do we prepare? We prepare a couple of ways. One way, you got to sow into your spirit by praying and studying the word of God. See, we got to build up our inner man by praying and we got to build up our inner man by studying the word of God. It's about the inner man. It's about building our person. That's why when God told Job, he said, I mean, God told Satan, you can take anything the externals away from him, but you can't kill his person. You see what I'm saying? It's important because people will try to kill your person. Right? And abusive relationships, they'll try to kill your person. They'll try to steal you as an individual. Forget the car. Forget the house. Forget the clothes. They're trying to kill you as a person. But when you build your spirit man up, ain't nobody going to kill your spirit man. You see what I'm saying? See, when you, when you pray, you're connected with God and you're building up your spirit man. When you're in the word, you're connected with God and you're building up your spirit man. We got to do one thing. We got to sow and our, to our spirit by praying and studying the word. The second thing we can do is we got to do good, especially to those of the household of faith. How many know that doing good will help build up your person? How many realize that by doing good for others will help build you up? Now, that's, that's one of the things that will help you. That's why when you have babies, you should be responsible. You should start growing. It helps you to mature, right? That's why your insurance goes down when you have children. It's true because the expectation is that you're going to mature, right? When you got a baby, why are you driving 95 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone? You see what I'm saying? Hopefully you realize that somebody's life is a bit more precious. I better slow down, right? Doing for others helps to build us up. That's why it's important for us to live in the fellowship and live in the faith. We've got to be able to do for others. We've got to realize that we're partners together, that we're in relationship together, and we've got to do for others. If things aren't going well for you in your life, you've got to look at it and say, am I doing something for somebody else? Am I doing something for somebody else besides myself? Am I doing for others? Because doing for others helps build me up. I get joy when I see somebody else blessed. I get joy when I see somebody else make it over. I get joy when I see somebody else conquer something that they couldn't conquer. And that builds me up. It lets me know that God is still working. God is still doing great things. And he's still using people. We got to be able to build ourselves up in our holy faith. And part of that is by doing good for others. Somebody shout, do good. Building ourselves up. So we got to ask ourselves, am I prepared for what I'm believing God to do in my life? Am I prepared for what I'm believing God to do in my life? Am I preparing for what God I'm believing God to do? How many believe in God to do something in their life in 2020? How many are on assignment? How many realize that I'm, I'm going to see God do something in my life that's going to bless somebody else? That my house is going to change? That my financial situation is going to change? That, that my job situation is going to change? My school situation is going to change? My ministry situation is going to change? My relationship situation is going to change? How many realize that I'm expecting 
God to do something. But I got to be prepared for what God is going to bring. I, I'm not going to be where God comes and has it right here, and I'm not prepared to receive it. Come on, somebody. When God throws a perfect pass and you drop it, come on, buddy. I threw a perfect pass to you. You got to be able to receive what God has for you. I'm not going to fumble it. I'm not going to stumble on it, but I'm going to be prepared when it comes. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be ready when what God brings for me, what's mine? Preparation. He's encouraging us. We got to be a church that's prepared. We got to be prepared for a harvest. Come on in here, somebody. We got to be prepared for young people. Come on, somebody. We got to be prepared for those who are coming that need restoration. We got to be prepared. It's one thing to just pray about it. It's another thing to be prepared. Preparation. We got to be prepared. He tells them, listen, y'all getting ready to go in? I need you to prepare provision. Somebody say provision. Provision is, is this. He said, listen, you, you got to bring some food. Bring some food with you. Bring some corn. You may bring some oxen. You may bring some sheep. You got to bring provision for what you're going to need in order to take this journey. You hearing what I'm saying? He says, prepare provision because in three days we get ready to go. Get your stuff. Get what you're going to need. Make sure you got some food, some chicken, some chips, or whatever you eat. I know Persia. I know tell them the chips. Oh, we get celery. All right? Carrot sticks. <laughs> Kale juice. <laughs> Come on here, somebody. Leave the french fries alone. Kale juice. <laughs> Baked lays. <laughs> he says, get your stuff. Pack your bag. Because we get ready to go. Get your provision. But we got to realize something. You had people who were wandering in the wilderness for, 30, for 40 years, waiting for folk to die off so that they could move forward. So you say, well, what did they have? Well, they had something. Because remember, when they came out of Egypt, they came out rich. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? When the children of Israel left Egypt, the Bible said they had great possession. See, because they were slaves. Come on here. Let's just go through the story. The children of Israel were slaves. They were beaten. They were slaves. They were working for somebody else's kingdom. And they, they had it hard. And as God was delivering them, it got worse. How many realize that when God's taking you through deliverance, sometimes it gets worse? It gets worse. You thought it was going to get better. It starts to get worse before it gets better. And as God was bringing them out through the hand of Moses, it was getting worse. The, the, the Egyptians made it harder on them. You got to get your own straw. Now, we're not going to provide you nothing. You got to go get it yourself. He made it worse. But the Bible says eventually when the plagues came, when the lights came, when, the, when all of those plagues came, the darkness came, and finally when the firstborn of the Egyptians was killed, animals, children, that the Pharaoh got sick of it and said, y'all just go, y'all go. And so the Bible says... God's people went. But before they left, they said, like God had prophesied to them, said, ask them for some gold, ask them for some silver, and ask them for some fine clothes. And the Bible says that the Egyptian gave them gold, silver, and fine clothes. So they left out of there with some gold, some silver, and some fine clothes. They plummaged, the Bible says, they plummaged the Egyptians. How many know that God is a God of justice? <laughs> see, the enemy thought he was getting away with abusing you, but God going to make him pay anyway. You see what I'm saying? The enemy thought <laughs> that he was going to do it, but God 
made him pay. He said, just for your labors, I'm going to show you. I'm a God of justice. I'm going to give you something in your hand. All that slavery wasn't for nothing. All that work wasn't for nothing. I'm going to give you what's your just due. And he gave them gold and silver. So they had something there to have. Second part, we got to remember that as they got to the brink of, 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 of the, the Jordan there, get ready to cross, the Bible says that God gave them a demonstration of his power. And he killed King Og and killed King Sion of the Amorites and gave them their territory. Last week I talked about it, it was the model home. Remember what I'm talking about? So they had the model home. Before the development was made, I'm going to show you the model home so that you can trust that this is going to be over there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're going to do the same thing here like you did here over there. And so they had the model home. They had all that was in that land, all that was in that territory. And what that tells us is a couple things, that we got to be grateful for what God has already done. God has done some stuff in our lives. And it, it may not have been perfect, but God has already made some provision for us. It might not be what we wanted, but God has done some things for us. And we got to have a people that are grateful for what God has already done. God has given us some joy. He's given us some life. He's given us a level of prosperity. It might not be where you want it to be, but God has been good. You might have had to go through some hard times and some trials and some situations and got beaten on the inside and on the outside. But God has made a provision. And how many know that Thanksgiving travels well? You need to be thankful wherever state that you are in. Be thankful to God because he has provided something already. If you are breathing here today, you ought to be thankful. If you got something to wear today, you ought to be thankful. If you ate something today, you ought to be thankful because God has been good. If you got a portion of your mind today, you ought to be thankful. If you have anything to say, you got to be thankful because God has provided already. He's demonstrated his goodness. We could be dead, but yet we're alive in the house of God, able to give God praise, able to give him glory, able to say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, able to see my brother, able to see my sister, able to see your wife, able to see your husband, able to see your children. God has already been good. He's demonstrated his faithfulness. On this journey, we can't forget to be thankful. He had already done something for them. He showed them. And we got to understand that God has provided what we need to get started. You see, he provided for us what we need to get started in this journey. And there are two things. There are natural things and there are spiritual things. I'm going to talk about the spiritual things today. And next week, I'm going to talk about the natural things. All right. So there's some spiritual things that, that, that God has already provided. He said, pack up your stuff. So we got to go back to our stuff. Can we go back to our stuff for a minute? See, we, there's some stuff that when you get ready to move and take a journey, you don't need to bring with you. Right? See, when you're moving into things of God, you don't need to be a pack rat. You see what I'm saying? Some stuff is already past its season. And, and, and you can leave it right where it is. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? See, because the provision, you got to understand, God wasn't saying this is the only provision you'll ever get. See, there was going to be more provision that took place in the promised land. But in order for you to get there, remember, it was seven years. It took seven years for some people to get what God had given to them. So it was going to be some time. So you need to start with something. Somebody say start with something. And God has given us plenty to start with. But he said, go look at what you've got and take what you need. There's some things, though, that we do not need. How many know that we don't need fear? 
Come on here, somebody. I'm here to help somebody. You do not need fear. Moving forward in 2020 and beyond in your life, you can leave fear right where it is. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And it's time out for the believer to stop being so afraid of what they're facing. Yeah, there may be a demon, demon but God is on our side. And we got to realize that we don't have to have a spirit of fear, but we've got power because he's a mind warrior great in battle right Jehovah is his name now we don't have a sound mind and we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us and our mind is sound so we don't have to be afraid I'm here to free somebody up that we can leave fear alone we can leave always being afraid always being anxious always being you know oh my god oh my god what's going to happen oh my god no God's got this and you got this now just move forward and what God has called for you to do you ain't going to die in it you ain't going to uh, uh, lose your head over it no God's going to bring you through. Fear can stay right where it is. You don't need fear anymore. You don't got to fear God that he don't love you and that he's not with you and if you don't act right, he's going to leave you. You can leave that fear behind. Just leave fear there. Don't even touch it. Don't try to bring it with you. It may have helped you in the past, but it ain't going to help you now because fear ultimately is going to kill you. That's what it's designed. Come on in here. Fear is designed. Somebody say fear can stay. Second thing is bitterness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Bitterness. You're resentful. Come on in here, somebody. You're resentful for what they did to you. You're resentful for what he did when he left. You're resentful for what she said to you. Come on in here. You're resentful. Bitterness can stay. The Bible says don't let the root of bitterness crop up because all bitterness does is stays dormant for a while, and then it grows and trips you up right when you don't need it. You see what I'm saying? Bitterness will come up in your life. You're just bitter. Anybody talk to somebody or know somebody that's just bitter all the time? They're bitter. They're still talking about what happened 15 years ago. Still, still messed up over what happened. Just, just bitter. Just angry. Just upset. Just resentful at people. You, can't, you try to do good by them, but they still, what? Bitter. You try to change subject, guess what? They keep going right back to the subject you tried to leave from. Why? They're bitter. Don't take bitterness with you. If it happened, it happened. Are you still here? To God be the glory. It didn't kill you. Don't let it kill you on the inside either. You see what I'm saying? It might have taken some things on the outside from you, but don't let it kill you on the inside because you're bigger than that. You're stronger than that because God is on the inside of you. Don't let bitterness trip you up. With that, unforgiveness can stay right where it is. Come on in here, somebody. We just need to leave unforgiveness back there right where it is. The Bible tells us in Mark that when Jesus is praying, he says, pray for forgiveness that, that your father, you know, forgive others so that your father will forgive you. Many times our prayers are hindered because we won't forgive. And it's true. We, we want God to forgive us, but we refuse to give, forgive somebody else. Somebody else has done us dirty, and we act like that's the dirtiest thing that ever happened. But look at your own life and how dirty we've been. We've been dirty to God. We've been dirty to other people, but we want God to forgive us and give us another chance. Let us operate in grace. But we won't let somebody else go. We want to keep holding them to their failures. Come on here, somebody. Some of us think that we can't move forward because people are still always holding us back to our failures. Remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? Remember, come on in here. You're trying to move forward. Somebody's trying to remind you of what you did 10 years ago. We got to let unforgiveness go. We got to let it go. Unforgiveness will make you sick. 
literally make you sick. Unforgiveness will drive up your blood pressure. Come on, here's the body. It'll make you not sleep at night. He's calling us to church that we got to leave these things behind. Say, don't need it. Selfishness, you can go ahead and leave that behind too. Don't need it. Timothy tells us that one of the signs at the end of time is people are lovers of themselves. See, we don't need selfishness. That's not, not going to work. We can just go ahead and leave that behind. So, Pastor Tony, what do, we, what do we need to bring? What do we need to bring? We got to take inventory of stuff that we need. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit. We need to bring the fruit of the Spirit with us because God has already developed some things in our life. We need to bring love with us. Somebody shout love. If we're going to move forward. We got to move forward in love. I don't care what we do. We got to do it in love. I don't care how you're going to God's territory. You still got to do it in love. God never calls us to go forth outside of love. Love is his character. So we got to bring love with us. Somebody say gentleness. We got to have gentleness. Somebody say peace. I don't know about you, but I love peace, right? Nothing wanted and nothing lacking. Yeah, there may be agitation sometimes, but I'm at peace. God has given us peace. We got to go forward in peace. Somebody say joy. We got to have some joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know what I'm talking about? We got to have some joy. It's not about what's happening around us, but who we are and what's happening on the inside of us. That we've got joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We got to take the fruit of it. We got to take faithfulness. Somebody's got to be faithful to God. You know what I'm talking about? We got to be true to God. We got to be true to who he is. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We got to take these things, the fruit of the Spirit with it. We got to pack those in our bag. And I'm closing, and this is what I'm closing with. They're going on a journey, and it, it's given for our example. Remember, it took seven years. Sometimes I think we take that lightly. How, sometimes we think when God has something for us, it's going to happen right away. It's not always going to happen right away. You got to have some substance to sustain you on this journey. This is what he's showing us, and this is what God is really speaking to. We got to have some substance on this journey. There's some things that are going to happen in your life and in this ministry that are going to happen very quickly. But there's certain things that are going to be delayed. It doesn't mean they're not going to happen, they're just going to be delayed. And we can't drop out because it's delayed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can't fate. Be faint because it's delayed. That's why we go over to John in this last thing. John chapter 4. The Bible says Jesus was ministering to a Samaritan woman. He met the Samaritan woman at the well. And the interesting thing about that is, as a Jew, Jesus shouldn't have been talking, A, to a woman. As a man, he shouldn't have been talking to a woman in public because culturally that was unacceptable. And number two, she was a Samaritan. In other words, she was a half-breed. She was half-Jew and half-something else. And he wasn't allowed to talk to her either. But the Bible says there he is talking to a Samaritan woman in public. See, walking with God will take you past barriers. Right? Walking with God will take you past barriers. He wasn't supposed to be doing this, but he was doing it because of something else I'm getting ready to talk about. Walking with God will take you past barriers. The Bible says he ministers to the woman, and she's so excited that she leaves to go tell people, come see a man who told me everything. But then the Bible says his disciples came back because they were away, and they came back seeing him talk to a woman, but they were tripping on that. Like, dude, he's talking to a I don't know what's got in him, but we're not going to say nothing to him. 
But they said, Jesus, you know, we're hungry, man. We, we ate. We got something to eat. I know you're hungry. You got to be starving by now. Take something to eat. And Jesus says, I got food you all know nothing about. And they said, somebody brought him something? Somebody ran to McDonald's, got him something to eat? Some, somebody that we didn't know about? And then he says this. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Did you hear that? He said, my food is to do the will of him and to finish his work. Let's look at Jesus' life. Jesus had to overcome adversity. He had to overcome doubters. Jesus' own parents doubted him. His disciples doubted him. Guess what? On your journey, you're going to have to overcome some doubters. Do you got the food you need? Jesus overcome temptation. Jesus was tempted, not, not by a demon. Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. He offered him everything he could offer him. I don't know about you, but on your journey, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to take a bribe. You're going to be tempted to get out. Come on, somebody. Stop pursuing this ministry, and I'll, and I'll give you a new house. Stop pursuing. I'll give you a new job. I'll give you money. Just stop, stop pursuing this. Come on, and here's somebody. The enemy is going to tell people, just, just, if you just stop now, all right? Just stop here. Don't go any further. I'll get you a side gig, okay? Just, just, just come out. But Jesus had to get through that. How many realize he had to get through that? Jesus had to get rid of, get past the religious hypocrites. Are you hearing? Their religious folk will get in your way on your journey. Some meaning well, some not meaning well. But religious folk will get in your way. You can't do that. Well, who, who, whoever said you could do that? You're not allowed to do that. You got to wear this. You got to wear that. You can't go there. Come on, somebody. And to get you to stop. Jesus overcame religious folk. Jesus overcame the lies. Anybody ever been lied on? His power comes from the devil. People lied on Jesus. Jesus had to overcome Death threats. Have you know how many times Jesus was tried to kill, be killed? People were after Jesus. And so what are you saying, Pastor Tony? What I'm saying is this. Jesus got through all of that because he had food that we didn't know about. This food for the journey. See, he was prepared, right? He prepared in prayer. Jesus prepared in the word. But he had food down the inside of him that people didn't even know about. And his food was to do the will of God. And I'm here to declare to us that if we're going to get to where God has taken us, that we got to have the will of God on the inside of us. See, what kept Jesus going when he was going through all of that is that it was God's will that he go through it. What kept Jesus through the doubters and the haters is that it was God's will that he go through it. What kept Jesus going when their death threats were on his life is that it was God's will that he go through it. And I'm here to tell you today that what's going to keep you going is that it's God's will for you to do it. What's going to keep you going is that when you know God has called for you to be a husband, even though it's acting crazy, it's going to keep you is God's will is going to keep you. When you're going through the know to be the wife that God has called you to be and it looks like it's crazy, guess what? It's God's will that's 
is for your life. When you're in school and it looks like you don't know how the money's going to come and you don't know how things are going to happen, but you believe that this is God's will for your life, it's God's will that's going to keep you going. When you're in ministry and it seems like nothing's happening, people aren't responding to what you're doing, guess what? It's God's will that's going to keep you going. Trust me, brothers and sisters, I've been there before. I've wanted to quit. I've wanted to throw in the towel. I've told God many a time, God, I'm done with this. God, I'm tired with this. God, you can have this. God, just put me back where I was. Just take me back to where I was. I was doing fine. God, why do you even have me out here doing this for you? But every time I got to that place, I just had to remind myself this was what God's will for me was. I had to put music on that just reminded me, God, I'm going to stay in your will. God, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in, but I'm going to stay in your will. And if I got to go through hell and high water, guess what? I'll go through hell and high water because it is your will for me to do this. There's something motivating and fueling about the will of God. See, when you know that it's God's will for me to be where I am, I don't care what people say. I don't care how people talk about you. I don't care how people try to push you back. I don't care how people try to put lies on you and try to tell untruths about you. When you know it's God's will that you can stand there and keep one leg going at a time. Just keep them legs moving. People may say stuff. People may try to jump in your way. People may try to tempt you. People may try to bribe you. People may try to push you off course. I don't care what it is, but when God's will is there, when I know it's God's will, I just got to eat God's will. It may not always taste good. It may not always feel good. It may not always be what I want to eat, but when I eat God's will, I know that I'm going to get there because his will is what's best for me. His will is going to bring goodness in my life. And if I want to experience the goodness of God, I've got to stay in his will. I got to be prepared with the word. I got to be prepared in prayer. I got to have the fruit of the spirit operating in my life. But I've got to have the will of God. God, I'm staying in your will. I need a church that's going to stay in the will of God. I don't care how dark it gets. I'm going to stay in the will of God. It's God's will for me to be here. It's God's will for me to be teaching Sunday school. It's God's will for me to be on the usher board. It's God's will for me to be in the choir. It's God's will for me to be married to this man in this season. It's God's will to be raising these children in this season. It's God's will for me to be on this job with all these crazy folk doing a whole bunch of nonsense. It's God's will for me to be here. It's God's will for me to start this business. It's God's will for me to take this nonprofit to the next level. It's God's will for me to do it. And if God spoke it, if God promised it, if he said he's going to deliver it, I've just got to keep walking in the will of God. I've got to have strength for my journey. It's strength for my journey to be in his will. It's strength for my passage to be in his will. But I take one step after the other because I'm in his will. Come on, church, don't quit. I'm telling you, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pursuing. Keep going after. You will cross. You will inherit. You will get to what God has for you. But you got to be strength in your journey. Don't get weary in well-doing. For in due 